0: The Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the twelfth chapter. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The epistle reading comes from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, the fifth chapter. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ; God making His appeal through us. You, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. We rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Amen. If you've heard this one before, just play along, okay? There was a small country church that had a problem. It had squirrels. They had infested. They were disruptive. They were destroying things left and right. The trustees had tried everything they could. They had set out traps and poison. They had even called an exterminator. Nothing worked. Finally, the pastor said, well, let me try something. And the next week, there were no squirrels. The trustees were flabbergasted. They said, Pastor, what in the world did you do? He says, oh, I confirmed them. We won't see them again until Christmas Eve. (laughs) It's funny, but it's not, is it? The sad fact is there are many youth who are confirmed and then have nothing to do with the church. Now, part of that comes from a great misunderstanding of what confirmation is. Too many people kind of equate confirmation with graduation. You confirmands have put in your time and effort. You've learned the requirements. And now, finally, you're done. No need to keep learning. No reason to go back. Just celebrate the years of effort that you put in on this day and walk away like high school. You got a certificate. You're officially a member of the congregation, so what else could the church possibly have to offer you? That's what a lot of people think. But that's not what confirmation is. In fact, we've purposely stopped calling them confirmation classes in order to get away from that kind of mentality. Avery and Kaylin, your confirmation isn't the end of anything, it's the beginning. Today, you will confirm your Christian faith given to you in your baptism. That's why we call it confirmation. In baptism, others spoke of your Christian faith on your behalf. Today, you proclaim your Christian faith for yourself. You stand before this altar, before this congregation, before God himself, and you will proclaim the importance of your Christian faith. You will promise to be in church and to take full advantage of the glorious eternal gifts that God delivers to you here. His word, his true body and blood. You will vow to suffer all things, even death, rather than fall away from the faith. In our gospel reading today, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. It's a familiar parable, one that we all know very, very well. Or at least we think we do. But understand that, as always, there is so much more going on than just the surface story. Jesus introduces us to a family that has some dysfunction. A man has two sons, and the youngest son comes to him one day, and he says, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Which is a terrible thing to do. He's saying, Dad, I don't want to wait around until you die to get my inheritance. Give it to me now. And the father, for whatever reason, does. And soon after, the young man becomes prodigal. And that word doesn't mean evil, doesn't mean wandering, as many people assume. It means lavishly wasteful. As with many young people with wealth, he goes on a spending spree. He leaves behind the home that was cramping his style, and he lives a luxurious life where money just isn't even an issue. Until it's gone, that is. He uses up his fortune, squanders his inheritance, and finds himself in a famine stricken land, alone, far from home. He winds up taking the only work that he can get the demeaning, unclean job of feeding pigs. And after living high on the hog for so long, he finds himself so hungry that he's jealous of the food that the pigs are eating. And that's when it hits him that maybe home wasn't so bad after all. Well, dear confirmants, don't be like the prodigal son. And that goes for all Christians. There's always this great temptation to leave the church behind like the prodigal son left his family. Because let's face it, the church seems kind of old and boring. It's not hip and extravagant. The pastor doesn't play guitar soul, laser effects. All the rules, all the formality of it all, it mean, really kind of cramps your style. It's not what you normally get. It's not what you would think is great and exciting and fun. It's just so different from everything else that's out there. And so our human nature says we can do so much better. I mean, we can find a different brand of Christianity that's not so stuffy, one that's a little more freewheeling and open and with the times. We can find a whole different religion That fits our lifestyle better. One that's not going to have rules. One that's not going to tell us that we're wrong like that Christianity does all the time. Or we can just give up on religion altogether. I mean, we've got plenty of other things that we can do on a Sunday morning. We've got sports or sleep, camping, traveling, pancakes. All of which seem to be far more fulfilling than this church stuff does. And so there's a temptation. There's a call. There's this urge to walk away from the church and say, I've done what I've had to do, I've put in my time, I'm officially a member, I've got what I need, I'm done. But you know, what do those things ultimately bring you? Well, nothing. Like the prodigal son fortune, the joy and the thrill of false religion or twisted Christianity or secular activities, they're going to run out. And you're going to want more. And you're always going to be seeking after the next big thing. And the next and the next. And you'll never be satisfied. And even if you do keep enjoying some false religion or some leisure activity instead of the true church. Even if you never quite do lose that thrill. It will greatly disappoint you on the last day. When you stand before God's judgment throne. Is he going to ask you how your faith makes you feel Is he going to ask you if you are well-rested and de-stressed? Is he going to ask you how good you are at soccer? Of course not. He will ask how exactly you, a sinner, plan to get into his holy paradise of heaven. And if you have spent your entire life away from the true church, if you have squandered all those gracious gifts of faith and wisdom that God has given you, if you have turned your back on the truth of God's word, you won't have the correct answer of by grace alone. And so, confirmants and all Christians, for your sake, for the sake of those who love you and care about your eternal soul, don't be like the prodigal son, turning your back on the church and assuming that there's something far better out there now that you're done with your Wednesday classes. But know this. If you do, you will always be welcomed back. As the prodigal son comes to his senses and he's nearing home, what does his father do? He runs out to greet him. He's been watching for him. He sees him from afar and comes running in joy. He doesn't come with a stern lecture. He doesn't even give him an I told you so. He doesn't say, tell you what, you've got three months as my servant to prove you're worth it and then we might restore you as a child. He comes with hugs and affection and celebration. Before the son can even get out his well-rehearsed speech, the father restores him completely, dresses him in the finest of clothing, proclaims that all is forgiven. He is now restored as his son. And they celebrate and they rejoice. And that's what this parable is actually about. It's about the father about our Father. His mercy is so great. His love for us is so deep that even when we say we wish he was dead, even when we say, you know what, just give me the cash so I can get out of here, even when we turn our backs on his gracious generosity, he still welcomes us home. He still rejoices when we sinners repent and come to our senses. No matter how long you've strayed, you are welcome. The church is your home, God is your loving Father, and heaven is your inheritance. Recognize what a gift the church is and continually rejoice in it. Here, we have the fellowship of believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Confirmance, you become part of this congregation today, and you are surrounded by people who have been through what you're going through. Everybody thinks their situation is special, that nobody could understand what they have to bear. We all do. We all face the temptations. We all know what's out there. Here we are surrounded by people who have wisdom and insight to share. Here we have people who love you and will not belittle your faith and say, well, why don't you just give up on that? Here, in the church, we receive the almighty word of God that cleanses us of our sin. Here we receive His true body and blood for the strengthening of our faith and the purification of our souls. Here God Himself comes to meet with us sinners to forgive us, to renew us, to strengthen us. You see, church is not some burdensome task that we have to do. It is a gracious gift from God Where he gives us what we cannot receive anywhere else the forgiveness of all of our sins, the guarantee of everlasting life in heaven. And so at this point, you may be expecting me to say that you should be more like the second son, the good son, the one who stayed at home and didn't wander away. Yeah, but don't be like the second son either. Because what does he do? He begrudges his father's mercy and generosity. He is ticked off when his brother comes back because that's the guy who took half the inheritance so that it can't grow and get bigger and bigger as well as it should have. He's upset that the prodigal son has doubled his work, has left him to do all the hard labor, while that wastrel is off living like a Kardashian. He's so angry that he won't even go in to the celebration, won't even acknowledge that this bum is his brother, but calls him this son of yours to the father. Those of us who have lived the hard life of a disciplined Christian, we who do make church a priority in our lives, who truly seek to live by God's word, too often we begrudge those who left the church and then return. We're jealous of them, wrongly thinking that their life of sin was just a grand old time of unending joy and peace, never recognizing the heartache and fear and misery that a faithless life really is. We look down on those members of yours, thinking that we're superior because we've never strayed, we've never been wasteful, we'd never sin like that. We begrudge God's mercy thinking that we've earned it and they haven't, crying out, not fair, because we told the line and we gave up so much, and now these sinners who didn't care about God for years get the exact same forgiveness that we do? Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have nothing to be jealous or angry about. Life away from the church might look and sound great, the world might tell us it's fantastic, but it is filled with uncertainty. And fear. We know what will happen to us when we die. Do they? Day in and day out, we have had the peace and assurance of God's constant presence presence in our life, knowing that all things are in his hands, never having our riches run out and leave us in ruin and desperation. And besides, God's riches are so deep, His blessings are so many that there's no way that our share is going to become smaller, even if 500 absent members appear all at once. God has sacrificed everything that he has and given it to you. He gave his only begotten son into death on the cross to pay the price of your sin, to fill your life with spiritual riches. He rose again from the tomb to set you free from sin, death, and the devil, to make you his own beloved child. He has given you his heavenly kingdom. He has crowned you with glory. He has clothed you in his own robe of righteousness and innocence. He has taken away all of your guilt, has forgiven you for all the times that you resented someone else's salvation like the older son, all the times you turned your back and left his mercy like the younger son, every single time you transgressed any of his holy law, God has forgiven you by the very blood of Jesus Christ. Not all the earthly treasures in the world, not all the leisure time activities, nothing is worth giving that up. And there's plenty for everyone. God's mercy is infinite. And his love is for all those who look to him in faith. His love is for all his wayward children. His love is for all mankind, for he gave his only begotten son. And so Avery and Caleb and all my brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be like those squirrels who disappear after they're confirmed and maybe show up again at Christmas. Don't be a prodigal confirmant. Wasting all the wisdom and faith that you've gained over the years. Don't turn your back on this glorious gift of the church and walk away from it. Hoping to find something better out there. There's nothing better than the pure word of God and his glorious sacraments. Which cleanse you of your sin and give you the guarantee of everlasting life in heaven. And should you wisely stay in the church. Don't begrudge those who stray or aren't there and then return. Don't look down on those who come to faith later in life than you did, who realize just how wonderful the church truly is, something that you've known all along. God's riches will never end. And the more who are saved, the greater our celebration is. None of us are more deserving than another because none of us sinners deserve anything good from God. It's not about us. What we do, when we do it, how well we do it. It's about God, about His grace, about His mercy and forgiveness, about the faith that He has worked in our hearts, about the undeserved gift of eternal salvation that He lovingly, lavishly gives us for free. This is the Christian faith that Kalian and Avery will confirm in their lives today, and the Christian faith that each of us should confirm and treasure daily, rejoicing in God's mercy and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with all. For by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.